welcome back to the Course of Action podcast. My guest tonight is uh, a returning guest, um, of course, because he is an incredible uh, veteran and chef, um, Drew Ward, corporate executive chef for Artisanal Brewing Ventures. Did I get that right? You did. You did. Welcome, man. Thanks for coming back. Um, I know you're in a hotel. Um, you're on the road doing your thing. You travel a lot. Um, you know, I guess that's kind of just the life being a corporate executive chef and, and, and ruling the world with all these breweries and all these issues you got going on, man. <laughs> it, is, it is part of the gig, that is for sure. So, All right, man. I know you've been here before, but let's talk about you. Uh, Army veteran. Uh, how long were you in the Army? Uh, four years. And what did you do? I was a uh, 55 Bravo ammunition specialist. So I was in uh, 110 Cav, supported air aviation, uh, mostly Kiowa Warriors. Nice. And um, cooking has always been uh, a passion of yours, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit too. But let's talk about kind of what you're doing now briefly. Um, corporate executive chef, which sounds really, really fancy. And you've, you've explained it to me before. Uh, artisanal brewing vendors. Um, a whole bunch of breweries, Victory Brewing, Southern Tier, Bold Rock, Hard Cider, Six Point. Um, I get them all. Is there another one? Nope. You got them. So what's it like being um, a chef over that many kitchens? Well, most people just want to be a chef in one kitchen or let alone maybe just their own, you know, be able to make macaroni and cheese without screwing it up and the kids complain. <laughs> You're in charge of not just a kitchen at home, but um, four different breweries. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool. It's super rewarding. You know, a, like you mentioned, I get to travel, which I find to really be fun. Um, and then, you know, I get to work with some great chefs in all our tap rooms. And so it's, it's fun. It's a great creative process for me. Um, but then at the same time, I get to do a lot of coaching and training, which as much as I love cooking, I also love that side of it, just the leadership side. So, you know, to help guys that are maybe younger chefs, help them kind of come up and grow, you know, to me, it's super rewarding. So what's it like? Um, you said, you know, you love cooking and obviously you're to the level now where, uh, maybe you do a little less cooking, a little bit more coaching and bringing those guys up, like you said, but what's it like, you know, um, seeing them get creative and bringing things to you and kind of coming up with those ideas as opposed to you pointing them in that direction. What's that like? It's really cool. Uh, you know, I get, um, so every week I get emails from all the chefs, kind of what they're going to be running for features for the week and stuff. And they send them to me just so I kind of know what's happening. And, you know, sometimes I'll read one of them and be like, oh man, that's genius. You know, and I'll just email them back and be like, dude, I never thought about doing that. That's so cool. You know? Um, so it's cool to see kind of as they've learned my style and kind of what I'm looking for and what really makes sense for us as a brewery. You know, there's just certain things that people aren't going to come there to eat. So you got to kind of figure that balance out and to see them kind of learn that and move into it and really understand it and then add their own, you know, every chef has their own little personal flavor, mm -hmm. you know, their ingredients that the, their go-to to see them add that in, you know, it's really cool after we've been working together for a while to be like, Oh man, that's something I would have thought of, you know? So it's cool to see them do it. So, um, Let's briefly talk about how you became a chef. I, if I remember right from last time we talked, um, you, you were kind of cooking before the Army, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, nothing serious. You know, I worked at Ruby Tuesdays. In high school, I did the old McDonald's gig. There's nothing um, wrong with Ruby Tuesdays. Hey. 
salad bar was awesome. <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was cool when I worked there, you know, it was, everything was, we were making it fresh. We were super busy. So I really got to learn a lot of those things that would, you know, do me well later in life when I went into fine dining. Um, my, it's funny, my general manager, when I worked at Ruby Tuesdays was just this big dude named Buddha. Um, he he'd been an offensive lineman at Virginia tech and that was his nickname. I don't even know if I remember his real name and <laughs> it, you know, this, it was old school. I just remember him saying, you know, I can hire enough guys to fill the kitchen or all of you can work overtime every week and get bigger checks. What do you want? And then we're all like overtime, 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 you know, and that whole mentality really helped me well throughout my career because when you're in a kitchen, it's not an easy job by any means. And you're going to work long hours. You're going to work crazy days. You're going to work when you're supposed to be off. And so it was already kind of ingrained in me even before I went into the army, like, all right, I, I work, I work a lot. I work hard and that's what I'm going to do, you know? So that learning curve, even at a place like Ruby Tuesdays really helped you out. Sure. I'm sure getting to know, like experience, like anything, getting to know the environment that you're in, even in a Ruby Tuesdays and then moving on to more of an executive um, kitchen, you know, uh, at a brewery, you know, uh, I'm sure just the experience alone definitely helps, but, um, what was it like getting out of the army and then finding your way back into culinary? You know, it was, it was a pretty quick move. Um, I think I had less than a year out of the army before I really got back into kitchens. Um, it's kind of figuring out a few things to do here and there. I worked some odd jobs, you know, trying to figure out where I was going to end up. And I was in Louisiana and started working in a kitchen and totally lied my way through the entire interview. You know, I, I remember I went in and met with their manager and she's like, can you make a marinara? And I'm like, yes. She's like, can you make a bechamel? And I'm like, yes. Can you make that? You know, all these sauces. And in my head, I was like, I mean, if I had the recipe in front of me, I could make it. Right. So I'm not sure. lying. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, so she hired me and just crazy circumstances. The executive chef quit like immediately. And then they brought another guy in and then he left and it was a small little mom and pop place down in Lake Charles, Louisiana. It was called Pujo street cafe. And, um, so the owner was kind of like, you know, do you want to, you want to try to run this kitchen because you're the only one in here that really has this passion for it. And I was like, okay, no idea what I'm doing. Um, so I was just getting cookbooks and reading constantly and, you know, using five different cookbooks to make one recipe, trying to pick apart pieces. And, you know, got to the point where it's like, man, I really have a lot to learn. So that's when I decided to go to culinary school. But, you know, I would say, I think like nine months of being out, I got back into the restaurant. And honestly, that same camaraderie that you have in the military and you're all together every day, it really plays well into a kitchen. So Yeah, I'm sure it does. Yeah, so it wasn't that big of a change. The, the biggest change probably was... Um, there may have been less people that were driven at times, mm -hmm. you know, um, at the same time in the military guys you work with, you're stuck with, right. Nobody's getting fired. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, that can have its pros and cons too. You exactly. Know, um, exactly. Depends on the attitude, you know, of everybody around, but yeah, you can't exactly get rid of them. But, um, yeah, man, I think, uh, the kitchen is something, you know, and I've been, been challenging myself you know cooking stuff and of course i follow you and i follow all the breweries on instagram and they make me so damn hungry um i see all this <laughs> awesome food that and you guys are pumping out and i'm like oh man that looks so good and, um 
I got a, two breweries here in my hometown, and one of them does a lot of kitchen stuff, and they pump out a lot of really good-looking food. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Looks absolutely amazing. But what's it like? Um, what's it like being on the road and having to try to kind of eat, right? You know, I hear a lot of chefs that are like, well, you know, I don't ever eat, like, a full meal. I kind of just nibble as I go and as I'm cooking in the kitchen and all that. But what's it like being on the road and having to try to – eat right without eating all this food and getting fat. It, it's tough, man. You know, I, and I don't know what it is about being in the kitchen and just, I think maybe it's just, I love food. Right. So I always joke that I could eat a 10 course meal, walk into the kitchen at work and be like, Oh, what we got over there. Let me try that. You know, like not even hungry, right. Just immediately not without even thinking. Um, the toughest part on the road is, you know, I'm visiting our tap rooms and I'm there for a reason, right. Either whether I'm training a new menu or I'm just there to, visit and see how things are going. So you got to try the food while you're there, you know, so there's times I come in and I literally order the entire menu and, you know, it's a bite out of each thing. And maybe I do it in a two day window or whatever, but it's definitely, you know, it's like, all right, you want to go anywhere for dinner? Nope. <laughs> I, I, I eat dinner and lunch, you know, and, and it's tough. And, and then especially, so we just did two openings. We just opened Brooklyn and we opened one outside of Philly. Um, and you're with a training team that you're traveling with and you know, you're, you're there from 7 AM to 9 PM. And then it's like, all right, you guys want to go get something to eat. And then of course you want to have a couple of drinks. And by then it's like, man, you know, so the first week it's like, yeah, this is great. And then after the first week, it's like, Nope, I'm going back to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, so you have found, uh, you've always seemed to find time. At least you make it look like it on Instagram, uh, that you always find time and find a gym and you've been like recent months um you've been really dedicated to getting into fitness and finding a way um uh, and you're doing a good job because every time i see it on there i feel guilty because i haven't done what i needed to do for the day and i'm like damn i gotta i gotta get up to chef's level i'm not doing what i'm supposed to because you're you're doing rubber bands and you're tying them to your hotel pillars and to the closet doors and all this stuff and i'm like he's crushing it he's crushing it he's doing more than him but he's crushing it man how do you how do you do that working seven to nine eating you know, that's your job, your life is food. And then how do you find time to, and the motivation to, to work out like that? I mean, I guess, I guess it's like anything, right? It's the, it's the discipline behind it. But, you know, for me, I would say really right about the time the pandemic hit, you know, I it was kind of like, man, I got to get in better shape. And, you know, I got two kids, two boys that are 13 and 11 and, you know, they're watching you. Right. And they're both athletic. They both love playing sports. And, you know, it's like, man, I don't want to be that dad that I can't go do something with my kids because I'm winded. Right. And I don't want to be where my kids are like, oh my God, look at my dad. Right. I don't want to be that guy. Um, and, you know, I think my wife appreciates it too. So, <laughs> but, um, so, you know, it, it's really just a, just a mindset of this. It's not an option basically for me, you know, it's, this is what I'm going to have to do today. You know, it's, it's just like a part of my day is a part of my day is going to work. You know, it's like, all right, I'm going to work up to this. And then honestly, I just love doing it as well. For me, it's just fun. I, I love to work out. I love to get a sweat and feel good. Um, and you know, it makes just such a difference throughout the day. Whereas in the middle of the day, I don't feel like, ugh, I've done nothing. You know, I feel like, all right, I'm moving. I still feel good. You know, I'm going. So to me, yeah, I think it's just the discipline behind it and, and really the want to, 
So what have you seen like the biggest improvement on like not uh, not weight, not appearance? What has been like the biggest improvement that you've seen so far in this kind of this journey? Yeah, well, I'm convinced my weight will never move, so I'm, I'm okay with that now. Same. But I, I don't understand. <laughs> when I was 25, I'd lost 30 pounds by now. So um, honestly, like, so used to when I'd get on airplanes or even in like a long car ride, I would have from right at the top of my back or right at the lower back, I should say, right at my hip, straight down to my ankle, I would just get this like shooting pain all the way down my leg. And it would drive me crazy and no way I could get comfortable. And since I started doing the workouts and especially a lot of the ones with bands where I'm twisting and moving more. And then when I started rucking, I think rucking made a big difference. That pain is 100% gone. I don't feel it at all. Like never feel it. Also, when I started working out a lot, I had a knee brace on each knee and on each elbow. Because I've always had kind of crappy knees, um, even since I was little, but now I don't wear any of the braces. I don't feel anything in my knees. Um, my elbows sometimes seem to have like, I think it's just getting old disease. It's like, <laughs> why are they hurting now? There's no reason for this. <laughs> but, um, but I think that's, those are really the biggest things I felt. Just, you know, just, just the energy all around feeling better. But those two are like really noticeable things. That's awesome. And I think it's a motiva- It's real motivational too, you know. Um, for a guy like you who works long days, travels a lot, um, has the time to dedicate the workout and to feel better. And then, of course, you have the additional energy throughout the day. Um, I think that's huge. That's a really, yeah. really big, big deal. And I think it's a big emphasis because, you know, a lot of people would think you go to the gym, you work out early in the morning for an hour and a half, two hours, and then you go to work in this long day. You got to be exhausted at the end of the day. Yeah, well, that's a given. But how do you stay going throughout the day? It's like, well, you get that natural energy going. And something I want to do is I want to get up in the morning and I want to work out, but I want to do the cold shower or the, or the cold tub thing. And I've heard yeah. so much about that. Like it gets the dopamine going, the testosterone going, and all these other things going. And it kind of gives you that high that lasts like all day long, you know, that a cup of coffee you just can't do. Now, I'm not going to quit coffee because I have a problem drinking coffee. Like, I, my religion. I'm there with you. So, <laughs> my wife's like, I'm always like, hey, would you like a cup? She's like, I'm sure. I know you're going to make coffee. Like, right, okay, yeah. cool. You know, it's funny. I've done the, um, I don't like being cold in general. I just, I appreciate living in the South where it's hot. And I like it. Um, but for a long time, I've done, I'll take a normal shower, but then like the last, 30 to 45 seconds of the shower, I'll just put it on full cold just to kind of hit you. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the tubs, man. And I'm like, oh, I want to try that. But I'm like, I don't know. Do I want to try that? You know, yeah. I don't know if I'm sitting through that thing or not. But yeah, I don't know either. But you know what the worst part is? I don't have a tub. So I have to yeah. go through the financial pain of going and buying one, knowing I'm going to torture myself with it. You know, yep. And preparation and getting the ice and the water and all that stuff, um, you know, it just kind of makes me go, I'm going to do, I'm going to commit myself a lot to torturing myself with this. You know, maybe yeah, I'll go a cold shower first, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Once you buy it, you're, you're like, all right, now I've spent the money. Now yeah, I have I'm to. Committed. Now I have to, you know? So um, now you mentioned rucking. You've been yep. really big into rucking for quite a while now. 
Um, let's talk about that. How did you get into rucking? What was a big deal about that? You know, I think it was just part of, um, so when I kind of backtrack a little bit, obviously I always worked in kitchen. So I was on my feet all day, um, which probably helped me not gain weight as much over the years. Not that I haven't gained weight, but, um, but then when I got into this job and I'm in the office a lot more, I'm sitting down a lot more and, you know, it's like, oh, I need to be more active and man, I hate running. I know it should be good for you. My wife was a division one cross country runner. She runs every day. She loves it. She doesn't even wear headphones, which boggles my mind. How do you um, do that? I don't know. How do you run I don't without listening to about how much I hate running? You, know? yeah, you just <laughs> listen to the sound of, I'm not picking on your wife or anything, but if she's listening, um, listen, I don't know how you listen to the sound of nothing. Yeah, she loves and it. enjoy it. That's crazy. She thinks it's crazy. She's like, "Why would you wear headphones?" I'm like, "Because it makes me think I'm not running." Yeah, <laughs> it's so motivating. Yeah, it's everything exactly. that the silence isn't. <laughs> the <laughs> pain of my knees, I can hear it. But when I wear <laughs> headphones, I don't hear it anymore. You know. <laughs> yep. So you know, I, I got where I was like, "All right, I need to do something. I need to do more cardio, more activities." Um, so I just started reading, and I kept coming across Go Ruck, you know, all their stuff, and. I don't have a go rug bag. I have a different brand, but still the idea of it, you know, and it's funny because in the army, obviously I rucked and I'd be like, it was the one thing in the army I liked over running. I was like, yeah, I could do that. So I thought, you know what? It's strength training. It's cardio on the same thing. So I started just, you know, throwing a pack on just an old pack I had and going. And then uh, for my birthday last year, she got me my rucksack and from there it just took off. So and then uh, I just did a half marathon, my first one I in Charlotte. That. Was cool. What was so, that like, man? It was cool. So a buddy of mine, um, his name's Troy. He, he's been on this big fitness journey of his own, right? He went from, I don't know, I think he was high twos down now. To, I think he's like 180 or something, maybe even less. Um, wow. And he challenged himself to every day to do something for 60 minutes. That was his challenge. And it was whether that was six, 10 minute walks or whatever, right? That's what he was going to do. And so I, he owns a company I buy my spices from. So met him kind of through that. And he used to be a chef. So we talked a lot and then we started following each other on Instagram and saw he was doing these workouts. He started seeing I was doing workouts. Then we started comparing the Goggins and the Jockos of the world and all that stuff, you know? And so he reached out to me and he's like, you know, Charlotte's got a half marathon. They have a rucking division. I was like, ah, oh, that's cool. And he's like, I'm going to sponsor you. Our spice company's going to sponsor you to do it. You're going to do it. So I was like, ah, oh. it's like, I don't know. You know, I've never know to that. Yeah. So then it's like, all right, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then of course, once he paid for it, then it's like, well, now I got to do it. Right. So, yeah. um, so it was cool because I've never done any kind of competitive racing type things or whatever, you know? So, I looked it up and it's like, all right, there's 17 or there was 17 people the last time they had it this year. I think they had 26 people. So it's grown a little bit. Um, and I'm looking at the times and you're, and you were supposed to do it in three hours. So all of my training, I was trying to shoot for three hours or less. Right. I thought it was three and a half. So I was like, oh, if I can do it at three, that's great. I left a half hour on the table. And then like the week of the race, they're like three hours. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> very, very minimum. Okay, awesome. <laughs> so, um, and so leading up to the race, you know, I was doing a bunch, but then I started traveling a lot for work at that time because we started opening tap rooms. So I went for 
probably three, four weeks without rucking at all. And then the last three weeks before the race got back into it. So I was trying to just get back my speed. Mm -hmm. And so come race day, like I said, my wife was a runner. So she's like, Hey, um, what are you gonna do when the race starts? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, are you going to go when everybody takes off fast? Are you going to go with them? Or are you going to do your pace? I'm like, doing my pace. I got this. I'm not going to let people change me. You know? Yeah. Well, first I'm going to put my headphones in you psycho. <laughs> Absolutely. I had those getting ready to go. No doubt about it. I had a playlist built. She's like, I can't believe you have a playlist built for this. I'm like, yeah, man, I got, I got certain songs to kick in at certain points. It's three um, hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we had, they give you an app for the marathon and your family can follow you along and see what your time is. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. So they were going to drive up and be there at the finish line. I was like, there's no reason for you to be there for three hours. Just be there at the end, you know? And so when it started, all I had to hit was go on that and she could track me. And of course, right off the bat, four dudes that I don't know why they were in the rucking division. I don't know why they just didn't do the running division. They ran the whole time with like, I was like, why? So they just take off and they're gone. Right. So I'm like, Oh, Okay. And I was talking to this one dude right before the race starts. And he said, uh, he's like, man, I'll be lucky to do it in three hours. And I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, I'm not a fast rucker. And I'm like, oh, it's cool. You know, just doing it. He takes off, right? He's gone. Leaves me. And I'm like, all right. No, no, no. <laughs> I can't have that. So right the back, just competition kicks in. So I'm going. And like first mile hits and it's like, and it comes over the headphones. You did your first mile in 12 point whatever. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm going fast. <laughs> So that's pretty good. Race 12, goes a mile in 12 minutes walking, rocking like that. Yeah. Well, I was, I ended up jogging more than walking mm -hmm. and right off the bat, like shin, shin splints were going crazy. They were like on fire. And I found that starting to jog actually made them feel better. So I just kept jogging. And then I was like, Oh my God, I'm still jogging. What am I doing? And you know, the, the, I just never been in a race like that. So then, so Rucker started first, then the half marathon, then the marathon. So all of a sudden these groups of people are just coming past you, right? And they're just running. And so then you're like, oh God, what am I doing? I gotta go faster, you know? <laughs> um, I felt like I felt like this like special case because they come by you and they'd be like, uh, good job, Rucker. Keep going, Rucker. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, this, I feel like I was like the make-a-wish kid out there or something, you know? I was like, <laughs> so we're going and about i think about mile nine it finally started hitting like oh shit this is still going we're still going and 10 through 13 is uphill that's how the race finishes Ooh. yeah and there was a lot of hills anyway but that's just solid and i was like oh my god so right around mile 10 i'm coming around the corner and my whole family's there they're cheering on my wife and kids my father-in-law so that was really cool i was like oh this is awesome you know it kind of gave me another another wind um and then as I got to the end, I just started running. And like, there were like some people in front of me that had just kind of annoyed me the whole race. So it's like, I have to beat these people, mm -hmm. you know, so they're all coming to the finish line, like celebrating. And I'm just dead spread. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, everybody else is having fun. I'm like, Nope, there's no fun to be had. I'm winning this thing. So I think I finished, uh, I think I finished 11 out of 26, um, okay. in the rucking. So not bad. I had my best time for sure. Um, but it was cool. My the guy that sponsored me, he bought these sweatshirts that said Ruck On because that's how I usually end my videos. Um, so all my family had those that said that, which was pretty cool. Um, so, I mean, it was an awesome experience. I absolutely loved it. I would absolutely do it again. 
you know, there's a lot of things I've learned now, like I should do different, um, you know, maybe not start out quite as fast. Uh, and, my, <laughs> and my wife said, that, you know, she's like, we were dying laughing because we're looking at it going, oh, my God, he's never went this fast. What's he doing? You know? I was like, yeah, I didn't in my race. That is for sure. So it's the headphones, honey. <laughs> mm -hmm. I started with Top Gun blaring and went straight yeah. to Motley Crue. Come on, what do you want? Yeah, come on. Yeah, I'm Let's going back fast. <laughs> Working on a podcast often means late nights editing, preparing for guests, and constant marketing. I need something reliable, great tasting, and of course, veteran owned to keep me fueled and at my best. And red, white, and badass brew coffee keeps me rolling. It doesn't matter if it's a long night of writing preparing for the next podcast episode, or just that first hot cup in the morning, these guys have my back. Check them out today at redwhiteandbadassbrew.com and find out why their brews are as bold as the American spirit. So um, let's talk cooking and let's talk food. Um, yep. Your passion is obviously food, You're just as much as it is fitness, you know. Um. Really, what is it like preparing food at home since you kind of do it for work all day? Well, the cool thing is, especially now because I don't cook as much at work, um, when I get to cook on the weekends at home, I'm I'm excited, right? And right. I actually have to kind of pull myself back because I will turn it into a whole day thing of, hey, I need to go prep in the kitchen for five hours instead of, hey, why don't you hang out with us for five hours? Yeah. You know, because <laughs> to me, it's like, just being in the kitchen at home, we got some music playing. Um, you know, my wife will sit there and hang out with me. The kids are doing whatever, you know, it, it's to me, cooking is the most relaxing thing I can do. It is 100% stress-free. Um, so for me, it's really my way of just kind of chilling out. Um, my kids eat everything. My wife appreciates great food. So I don't have to worry about picky kids or anything like that, which is super nice. Um, so it's fun. And, and, you know, we really make it an experience for all of us. You know, maybe we have a cocktail before dinner and we make, I'll make a little cocktail for the kids as well. And we have our dinner and we sit around the table and we talk and there's nights we'll just sit there and talk for a long time, even after dinner. That's awesome. know, which is cool. I've noticed that um posted some pictures of the kids even getting in on the cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my oldest has always shown a pretty good interest in it, even when he was, second third grade he would try to write his own recipes um and he comes and goes like he'll get really into it and then he won't want to help me at all and then you know but lately now my youngest has been getting into it more um so like last weekend we made fresh pasta together and he he loved doing that so yeah you know they they understand it they both know how to use a chef's knife they can cut things without cutting themselves um which is you know it's skills they need to have to at least be able to manage around a kitchen to eat oh yeah so. even when you're uh my age, you know, and, and you don't have any kind of professional training, you know, you realize how long it can take you to prepare a meal when you have no idea how to use a knife properly and you're, you're cranking away and cutting at it like an amateur and you're like, this takes forever to peel a potato. Why does it take that long? And then you watch, you know, guys like you and, you know, the big chefs like Gordon Ramsay on TV and they're just chop, 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 and, you know, whole onions, you know, diced up and less than 30 seconds and it takes me four and a half minutes to do it and i'm like why am i such an amateur and why does this look so painfully hard for me to do and then you know uh, i've watched a lot of cooking shows and i've learned a lot of little things I'm like oh, you know what it's it's amazing what you can 
do in the kitchen when you get the logistics of it down and you kind of get the working on things. But what I want to do now is I want to grill you a little bit. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you some questions and I'm going to get your, this is everybody's opportunity to hear from a uh, real chef with uh, what pairs well with certain foods. So what I'm going to ask you is, um, we're going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to choose a, like a different protein and I want you to tell me what you would do with that dish and what kind of beer from one of your breweries that you would pair with it. Nice. So let's go first. Uh, let's go chicken. Let's what's a chicken dish and a beer you'd pair with it. Chicken. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll do one that we're doing right now on the menus. Uh, so we do a smoked chicken pot pie, um, smoke the whole chicken, pull the meat, make a pretty classic pot pie, right? You know, potatoes, mushrooms, peas, carrots, all that good stuff. Um, but we finish it with, uh, in our Southern tier locations, we use our pumpkin beer. So it's that big kind of pumpkin pie flavor to it. Put that in there. So it gives it the sweet, a lot of people, it's funny. A lot of people eat it and be like, did you use brandy in this? And it's like, no, it's pumpkin. Um, so the gravy's made with beer and then you get the smoke from the smoked chicken that come into it. It's killer. It goes great. And it's great this time of year, obviously. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's perfect. But you, I don't think I don't think I think of pot pie when I go to a brewery. So that sounds uh, sounds interesting, and obviously it's doing well. Um, okay, um, how about beef? Um, and we'll make it fair. We'll do ground beef first. Ground beef. Um, so I would either say we could go empanadas. We do a ground beef empanada, which would be awesome, mm -hmm. or obviously a burger. Can never go wrong with burgers. Okay. Um, so, so let's say let's say empanadas. Um, you know, I love doing a lot of different chilies. So guajillo chilies and jalapenos, all that um, can make a good salsa out of that. Really smoky, fiery salsa. Ground beef, put in the patty, fried it. Um, beer wise, to me, I I think of that dish as kind of going a little more Mexican style, right? Or South American. So I always think of a more citrusy beer. Um, I love like a citrus kind of IPA or something that route, you know, our citrus beers, um, we change them all the time. We change so many beers, but we have a, uh, from victory, we have a cloud Walker. It's hazy IPA. It's got that juicy fruitiness to it. Mm -hmm. I think that that would be awesome with that. Get the spice from that. Oh, yeah. I actually made, um, like the, you know, the Michelada drink, you know what I'm talking about? Yep. I made it with that and it's awesome. It's that hazy fruity IPA and then you got the hot sauce and extra lime in there. Man, it's oh. killer. Oh, I haven't eaten dinner yet. This is probably a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't eaten. So. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Let's do beef again, but we'll do, we'll do steak. Um, steak. steak. You can, you can chop it up. You can slice it up doesn't necessarily have to be you know a ribeye or, or a sirloin or anything steak steak is probably one of my favorite foods so this is a good one um so funny a cut that i use a lot um and i don't know that i've ever seen this cut in a grocery store it's called it's the worst name ever the marketing people behind beef really need to figure it out but <laughs> it's called it's called terrace major and every now and then you'll see it on somebody's menu is like shoulder bistro or uh, or shoulder tender, bistro tender or something like that. But it's this piece of steak, probably 12 inches long and they weigh about 12 ounces. And it looks like a mini 
beef tenderloin, basically. Okay. And it cooks like one, it eats like one, but it has more flavor than beef tenderloin, like flavor mm. And But they're crazy inexpensive compared to most cuts of beef. And it's awesome. So I love using that because you can do a really quick cook on them. Um, you know, sear that, pull it out of the pan, deglaze with some beer. An IPA would work great. Um, Victory, we have a, a beer called Dirt Wolf that I love. It's, it's big IPA. Um, to glaze with that, hit it with mushrooms, some stock, bring that down, put a little garlic butter to finish it off. Have a steak and mushrooms. Be awesome. Oh, okay. Throw me a second recipe. You do a steak, chopping it up or, or doing something with it. Um, you know what I think would be cool is, because I'm a big fan of it, is steak tartare. I love it. I love it as an appetizer. Um, it's funny, we went to France this year, and my oldest son ate steak tartare five nights in a row. That was his dinner. Right? Wow. Just the, the amount of beef that kid ate in France is crazy. <laughs> but, um, you know, steak tartare would be kind of funky to do with beer because – Typically, you don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think I think chop it up raw, do the classic egg and some shallots and capers and mustard and a little bit of ketchup, mix it all up together. And I think that with just a solid IPA, some bread, man, I think that would be an awesome meal. So for those of us um, that don't know, I know what tartare is. I've never had it, but I know what it is. Uh, for those of us who don't know uh, what it is, tell us real quick. Like, what is steak tartare? What does that mean? So, classic preparation, it's, it's raw steak, right? So, you take it, you dice it, chop it up nice and fine. Um, classically, it's presented with a raw egg yolk as well. And then it usually has capers, usually has shallots. There's always Dijon mustard in it. And you mix it all together. And then you eat that on toast or however, you know, typically it comes with toast. And it sounds funky because it's like raw beef, raw egg. But man, it is one of, it's just one of the greatest flavor combinations ever. It's like one of those dishes that whoever the dude that created steak tartare was, he was a genius. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Last one. Actually, second to last one because I, I have a wild card I'm going to throw at you. Um, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I thought that would be kind of fun to do this time around um, is really pick your brain and get you to kind of come out. You said you like being creative. So here it is. Um, all right. So pork two two things with pork, same thing with steak. You can chop it up or you can leave it alone uh, like a pork chop or something. So first chopped up steak, how would you prep ground up chopped up steak? Uh, well, pork, I think I would do, um, I think I would do like a pork patty, like a pork burger, you know, ground pork, Mix it with whatever binder, you know, I, I love dill with pork. It's not you classically see with it, but for some reason that, that pairing, I just absolutely love. Really? So, you know, I would throw some dill, some breadcrumbs, some egg in there and make like a classic patty, almost like a meatloaf type thing, mm-hmm. but then sear that, put that on a bun, you know, with, um, oh man, what a sauce would I do that? Definitely raw red onions. I think that just goes great. Um, and maybe even this time of year, Take some apples. There you go. Take some apples, cook them down in some bourbon, make like a little apple bourbon aioli, put that on the bun. Okay. Forget now it. you're talking. Forget about it. Mm. Now I want pork and apples and bourbon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, that sounds, uh, my wife makes this, um, makes an apple pie. <clears throat> and I don't know how she figured it out, but she makes this killer apple pie. 
and I have to have it. You know, I got to a point where I was asking for it on my birthday, on Thanksgiving, and on Christmas, and those are both; those are all in the same two months. It's November fifteenth. Okay. It's it's Thanksgiving, and then it's Christmas. So it's just apple pie, apple pie, apple pie. But it's so good. I was like, I saw like a recipe for you know bourbon apple pie, and I was like, I really want to try it, but like I'm so in love with her apple pie that I'm like, I don't. It's not broken. I don't want to mess with it, but I kind of want to know. Because I love, I mean, I love bourbon, but at the same time, I don't want to mess with that because I love it so much. But bourbon, apples, the pork, oh, yes. Maybe you should just have a nice glass of bourbon next to her apple pie. That's, 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 that's probably where I'm going wrong. There you <laughs> I go. I haven't done that enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, pork, um, not uh, cut up. Uh, pork, not cut up. I think I would go, uh, man, you know what? I love like the old style country ribs. That's really not a rib at all. It's like pork butts. They cut into strips and call it a country rib. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up eating those. I love those. I think, uh, man, cook that thing almost, almost braise it with onions and ton of garlic. Uh, I think, Ooh, a nice, um, nice darker beer in the braising liquid cook that whole yeah. thing down get just stout yep yep pull that out um we we have one called warlock that i think would go awesome with it pull that out shred it up um put that over some grits oh man i, th- I think that would be okay would be. grits is a southern thing but i like that i like the, i will uh... eat anything over grits pretty much like i love grits um if I was Italian, I would eat polenta all the time. But you know, right. <laughs> my wife's Italian. I grew up Southern, so <laughs> yeah. How was that? Um, how has that affected kind of your culinary palate? You know, like having those two different kind of worlds clashing in a in a relationship. How's that affected you cooking wise? It, it's actually been pretty cool. You know, growing up, you watch all the mafia movies, right? So you you kind of wish you were Italian just because of the movies, right. um, and. So I, I married this woman who's her whole, she grew up in Syracuse, but her whole family grew up in the Bronx, right? So they're all these Bronx Italians and all have the big personalities. It was like, like the first time I met her whole family, I was like, oh my God, I think I'm in one of those movies now, right? Like, holy cow. Am um, I in the Sopranos now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Someone around the corner? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, I have learned a ton about awesome food from her family. And, you know, it's it's funny to compare how she grew up and how I grew up is almost like we grew up in different decades and different worlds. You know, I grew up with my mom cooked very Southern. I think we had, you know, we had a lot of gravy growing up. We had, you know, pork chops and gravy. We had Swiss steak and gravy, you know, and, and I loved it and absolutely loved it. I still love it. But, you know, my wife was growing up with this Mediterranean healthy pastas and she probably had pesto 15 years before I knew what pesto was. Right. <laughs> You know, it's so it's been cool because I've been able to take a lot of stuff from her family and there, there's times I'll combine it. Right. I'll make grits, but then make something very Italian to put on top of grits. You know, and I get kind of that, that both clash, you know, that both worlds together. Um, so every Christmas Eve, we're we're Catholic. My wife, I became Catholic when I met my wife. Um, so we do the Feast of Seven Fishes on Christmas Eve. So because we can't eat meat till midnight. So. 
I do, we have some friends come over, her parents come over and I do typically seven courses for Christmas Eve dinner. And I'm (laughs) come on and I'll cook all day long. And it's, I love doing it. It's, it's a little bit of my Christmas gift to everybody, you know, and, um, so you gotta do seven different fish and we'll do some hors d'oeuvres and then we get into the meal and it's all played. I do it full blown restaurant style out of my kitchen at the house. The kids help my oldest son, he and his buddy, that's always there. They present it to the table for me and say what it's, what the dish is. And we have a blast, but it's a very Italian tradition. But over the years, it's kind of progressed to where there's an Italian dish. There's a super, you know, one year I did shrimp and grits, right? There's, um, I always do oyster stew. My, my youngest son has asked for oyster stew since he is five years old, probably. So that's like the way the dinner starts always. Um, so I, it's been cool to take this Italian tradition that her family had and take the Italian dishes, but then morph in Southern dishes. And sometimes we'll do something Asian and something Mexican and just something cool. You know, it's just blast that's cool you know what i did ask you about fish fish let's do white fish white fish first so fish is my that's like what i cut my teeth on um my first restaurants in new york were all seafood restaurants when i first really started cooking and i love fish i love fish more than anything um so good white fish let's let's just say bass how about that we go with bass um Oh man, God, I have so many ways. I love it. We're winter time. Um, pan seared, skin on, absolutely crispy skin. Um, I think I would do like a horseradish lemon butter, put that on top of it. Um, let it just kind of melt as it hits the plate. Um, some butternut squash puree underneath it. And uh, some like really garlicky sauteed kale. Mm, I think that would that'd be pretty awesome. What beer? Ooh, beer is tough with that one. I think with that, I would go uh, Victory No, I would go Six Point. Um, they have a beer called Crisp. It's just a classic, awesome um, pills, just crisp, super fresh. Like I think a that would be awesome. Yeah, it's a Pilsner. So. Pilsner? Okay. I think that would, uh, oh man, that yeah, would that go sounds awesome. good. A pilsner with, uh, with that. I can see an IPA, a, a low bitter, uh, low yep. bitter scale IPA going with that too. But yeah, pilsner would kill. That would kill. Yeah, me. they have another beer. Uh, it's called Sweet Action, and they call it a uh, New York Pale Ale. And it's, it's not a true Pale Ale, but it's not an IPA. It's like this weird blend of things, and it goes. If I feel like it goes with everything, mm-hmm. we actually make our pizza dough with it instead of water. We use the beer. Um, wow. and it, it's awesome. You can smell it. You can taste it. So, okay. Let's do like a fret redfish, like salmon, I guess it's salmon redfish. Am I, am I speaking right? I guess. Yeah. I would call salmon like a meaty fish. Okay. Let's, uh, do, salmon. let's do a meaty fish. Yeah. Usually I hear white fish. I think flaky meaty fish. I think salmon tuna. There we fish. Go. Let's do that. Uh, salmon, 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 salmon. So my favorite way to do salmon, which would be like, especially spring and summer is I love salmon with peas, right? So I'll do chopped up peas. Um, what I actually love is peas and carrots to play with salmon in the spring. So do like a carrot puree, a pea salad, just really fresh, bright, 
green, that big grassy pea flavor. Yeah. Um, I think we could do some grilled salmon and do like a little, uh, what I want to do? Ooh, olives with it too. Green olive, like a little green olive glaze kind of on the top of it. Puree them up, making this little green olive topping. Yeah, that would be awesome. That I would definitely do. Um, ooh, beer would be hard. That's a lot of flavors happening. Yeah, salty with the uh, uh, olives. Yeah, it's like sweet, salty, grassy. Yep. Um, maybe. Ooh, I think it's got to be a lighter beer. We have a beer called Eight Days a Week. Um, it's a blonde ale. It's super easy to drink, just refreshing. I there think that'd go. be way. A blonde ale. I was thinking, I was like, ah, Pilsner's probably too light. IPA's too, too, uh, too of the, the malty, too much haze, you know. But a ah, blonde ale, that's perfect. Smooth, yep, that's... goes down solid, like, yeah. Okay, yep. last one. This might throw you for a curveball. I don't know. <clears throat> Vegetarian. Ooh, vegetarian. Um, I am not a vegetarian. Yeah, <laughs> but, clearly. <laughs> but I do make sure we always have vegetarian dishes on the menu. Um, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat and just do one that I'm doing in the restaurant right now because I love it. Fair enough. And it's great. Um, so cauliflower rice. We're just making our own, chopping up the cauliflower, sauteing it, hitting it with a little bit of lime and cilantro. Um some roasted butternut squash, roasted Brussels sprouts. And then I'm making this. I didn't really know what to call it. I called it Korean barbecue sauce. It's not a true Korean barbecue sauce. Um, it's more like a big sesame, ginger, garlic, spicy. Um, I use sambal in it. Big, bold, bright flavors. Pretty spicy. I put that over the whole thing. And then pickled onions and some sauteed greens. So it's actually vegan, even even more. I'm going to top the vegetarian and go vegan. Um, but it's awesome. I mean, it's packed full of flavor. You got all these vegetables. And honestly, you know, we, we've had the debate for a long time about should we have things like, uh, you know, the uh, Impossible Burger or the, uh, I can't think of the other brand right now. Um, yeah. The other big vegan patty. Yeah. Um, Beyond Burger. And, you know, there, there's part of me that thinks, obviously I'm not vegan, so obviously I don't quite understand what everybody's going for. But to me, if, you, if you're vegan because you don't want to eat an animal, right, which I think is, I know some people are straight for health reasons, but for the most part, it's right. So why do you want something that mimics an animal? Right. <laughs> that kind, of, kind of makes me laugh. And why do you want something that's made in a, in a, a lab? basically right mm -hmm. so whenever i do vegan or vegetarian dishes i just want it to be vegetables and grains because that's that's natural that's real food mm -hmm. you know yep. so and and i mean that goes even for the carnivore side of the world like all the molecular gastronomy and all this stuff i never got into it it just wasn't my style like i just want real whole food that's good for you that gives you what you need tastes amazing right and you know, it doesn't, not everything has to be healthy. Lord knows I don't eat healthy all the time, but it's still like, you know where it came from. You yeah. know what it is, right? So, and look, if, if I had to be vegetarian, I could be vegetarian because I love vegetables and I love grains and I could yeah. eat salads and stuff like that all the time. 
you know, you can make those things really, really good and healthy and great for you that taste amazing without all this weird stuff being thrown in. Mm -hmm. I really like, dude, I can do pork chops and steak and, you know, uh, broccoli and, you know, roasted Brussels sprouts, or I have Brussels sprouts and I do them face down in the nice. pan after I've done the steak while the steak is resting and I get all those yeah. juices and stuff from the steak in there and like, uh, I can, I can do that. I could probably do that four or five nights out of the week. Of course, I'm a sucker for pork chops. My family doesn't like pork chops that much, but I could probably cook pork oh. chops like religiously every single week, several times with a vegetable and it'd be the best meal that I've had in months. You know what I mean? Like it's right there in my wheelhouse. It's perfect. And um, yeah, it's going back to the simplicity of just real food, you know, just, just a meat and a side and jazzing those, both of those up. And um, I'm impressed that you never, out of all those things that threw out, you, you never said tacos. Uh, you never said anything, you know, traditional Mexican or anything like that. It was always very creative. And I think that's awesome. Really showcases the, the skills that you have and how creative you've gotten. And I love that you paired it with each one of the beers. And, and I, I appreciate you entertaining me while I, I ran you through the ringer here, but I think oh, it's awesome. Oh, it was great. Now I'm starving. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, it's, it's funny. And I think, I think what served me well throughout my career is because I did like other than obviously before culinary school, but once I went to culinary school, you know, my first five years of cooking were in super fine dining restaurants in New York city. So to have that background, I think is the reason why I don't necessarily go to a taco or certain things like that, because, mm -hmm. and I think in my opinion, one of the things that make our, the food side of our brewery successful is that's what I bring to it, right? I I always envision things as fine dining first because that was my first true love, mm. right? So I'm always thinking of how do you take these fine dining flavors, these fine dining techniques, but then bring it down to where, A, cooks that aren't fine dining cooks can do it, right? Because we're obviously not going to get the same people that a four-star restaurant in New York City is going to get mm. come work there. It's just not the same people. Um and how do you do it to where somebody that comes in to eat at a brewery, even, even like you said, a pot pie, right? Like that you first sit down at a brewery and you're like, pot pie, right? What? Mm -hmm. you know, so how do you do it to work it into a brewery that people say, oh, I want to eat this food while I'm drinking, oh, right? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. We have tacos on the menu. And if I throw, I can put anything in tortilla and it's, it's pretty much going to sell, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, everybody, everybody's happy. <laughs> oh, we got a taco. Great. You know, um, but you know, to find that balance of how do we do these entrees that are really fun or these sandwiches that are really fun, mm -hmm. they go great with beer, but also makes you feel like you're eating, maybe not necessarily eating at a brewery, right? Yeah, eating a little something special, a little, you're, you're stepping it up a notch. I think that lends a lot of uh, credibility to the beer too. You know, a good beer, a uh -huh. really good meal, a really, you know, flavorful and fulfilling meal, like, there's several breweries in Colorado when I lived there that I went to and the food was just outstanding. And you just don't think of that when you think of a brewery. And, um, but it was the best food I had there was going to this one brewery and it was just, it, it, I spent over a hundred dollars there. I mean, we just absolutely crushed the menu, but it yeah. was amazing. And don't get me wrong. Like I love tacos. Like my, 
my judge of a business is how well they do a fish taco. If you have a fish taco on your menu, I'm going to try it. And if it's good, then you sold me. But if it's bad, you know, they're not that good or it doesn't taste fresh, you know, shrimp taco, fish taco, then, you know, I'm, I'm a very judgy person when it comes to tacos, I guess. But, um, you know, I love a good fish taco. But I was really impressed that, you know, you, you never threw a taco out there. You always had something very unique and dill with pork is interesting i definitely want to try that now because yeah, it's good pork chops are great man it's like just rub them with the dill before you grill them oh man really? it's crazy. yeah it's crazy good okay it, like puts this crust on there all right i'm gonna throw the question to you okay. tacos flour flour or corn tortilla man corn yes <laughs> i'll go with corn it's it's the big debate in my house. I'm the only one that pushes corn. The other three all want flour, and you know, look, I get it. Flour tortilla when they're warm, they're it is a very comforting thing to eat. It feels great, right? But I used to run a Mexican restaurant, and I went to Mexico and ate, and everything was corn tortilla. It was a taco, yeah. and really good corn tortillas. Man, to me, it's just really that flavor when it gets in there with a the taco. Oh, yeah. I love it. I know they taste kind of dry compared yep. to a flour tortilla, but like you said, when it gets the, uh, and it's a good balance. Um, I used to be a flour tortilla guy. Like, oh yeah, we always bought flour tortillas. But then um, this Mexican, little Mexican joint here in my hometown called Sandy's Tacos. Shout out to Sandy's Tacos. Probably not listening, but shout out to them anyway. But if uh, they are. <laughs> they have the the absolute best steak tacos. And they just, it's just chopped up steak cilantro and white onion and then they oh. have this awesome green sauce they uh they put on the side it can hot or mild always get mild because they're hot sometimes it's hot 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 you know yep. and, and i like hot stuff but it just when my nose starts running from the time i'm pouring it on there it's right. too hot for me that day but um they have they have the best tacos best little street tacos and I can just I can crush half a dozen of them or more in one sitting yeah. and not think twice about it. And ever since then, like I've been like, you know what? I just flour tortillas are for uh, fajitas. Yeah, and you know, like my wife and I were in San Diego, and we went to the old town there in San Diego, and we went to this little Mexican restaurant, and their appetizer was like queso fundido, right? Mm -hmm. And with fresh made flour tortillas. Absolutely perfect for that. Corn tortilla would have never worked. Flour tortilla was just incredible. So good. Oh, yeah. But, you know, like when I went to Mexico, I was there for a week just kind of doing research for this restaurant I worked at. And yeah, that was the, like the big eye opener for me. And it really influenced my cooking in a lot of ways because it was, you know, you ordered a taco and you got a corn tortilla, some meat, and they're like, there's some onion and cilantro, right? That's it. That, that's all you need. Maybe some salsa. It wasn't like over here where it's like, well, we've got lettuce, cheese, sour cream, six kinds of this, you know, and I was eating it and just being like, oh my God, these flavors are crazy good. And it's so simple yeah. that, you know, this, and I think ever since then, really my, that, and I had a chef one time challenge me to how do you make a great dish with three ingredients, right? Like work on it and it's hard, but you start to realize, you know, especially like when you're a young cook. And kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, when my chefs tell me what they're going to run for a feature, you know, the older chefs that have been doing it longer, you can see where they're at and kind of get, you know, they, they're focused. Younger chefs tend to be like, 
I have these 35 ingredients that I want to put in this dish, you know, and it's like, well, let's pull 10 of those back up. You know, um, and, and I mean, it's just, it's just the natural thing. I did the same thing. I, you know, I can remember writing dishes and taking them to my chef and be like, what do you think about this? And he'd be like, whoa, dude, you know, and at first you get super offended. Like what? I know this is great. You know? And he's like, no, no, no this is crazy. You got, you got to stop. <laughs> pull 10 of those back out. And, you know, to learn to that, that discipline of, what you should use and what you should not use and what goes well, but how to stop yourself. It's kind of like the old, uh, before you leave the house, look in the mirror and take one, something off, you know, mm -hmm. the old school, it's, it's kind of the same way with cooking, right? Like at some point, just stop. You've got way too many ingredients, man. You gotta, you gotta figure it out. Yeah. So. Well, okay. Last question and I'll let you go. Cause I'm sure you're exhausted. It's been a long day. Um, but, um, Last big question. What's going on in 2023? New tap rooms opening up. What, where are we going to see you personally and kind of professionally in 2023? So professionally, um, we just had an announcement about two weeks ago. We've signed a lease in Manhattan. So we're going to open our first Manhattan tap room for six point, which is going to be unreal. It's, um, it's literally across from the new world trade center. So, you know, Pretty amazing location, obviously. Um, so that is super exciting. For me, it's kind of like a full circle moment. I started in Manhattan and now going back. Going back, even though I don't live there, you know, it's pretty cool for me to get to have a menu in Manhattan, right? Mm -hmm. That's so that's crazy exciting for me. I'm, I'm so excited to do that. Um, as of now, that's the only place I know we're opening. So last year we opened three this year we opened two next year one um so that's a big moment you know the good thing about only opening one is so my goals for this year is i'm really going back into all of our tap rooms and almost doing like a retrain um and just get back down to basics and really be able to work with chefs and work with the cooks and just coach and teach and you know really get in there that's one thing i i've missed the last year i didn't get a chance to do it as much it was more of popping in and out so just really hunkering down and then for myself, just working on, you know, how to be more efficient at work and how to do more and accomplish more and be more organized. I think organization is always my, I'm a very much, I love to shoot from the hip, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So trying to, trying to bring that in a little bit. Um, personally, you know, uh, I think I'm going to uh, sign up and do another half marathon. So obviously I'm going to have to beat the time I did last year. Um, I want to, uh, you know, work on my workouts to make them make more sense. Sometimes I'm just spur of the moment creative, which is fun, but I'd like to be a little more disciplined in how I'm doing, what I'm doing. Um, and then just, you know, as much family time as I could possibly do, you know, I really want to get, um, we love to hike as a family, but we just never seem to find the time. Mm. And you got two kids, both in sports, you know, it's just a constant oh, yeah. movement. But I really want to carve that time out in 2023 to where we're doing more kind of family adventures, so to speak. So. Very cool. All right. So where can they find? Uh, let's, where can they find you? Where can they follow you at? So I've got. Funny enough, I've got two Instagram accounts. Um, so I've got at Chef Drew Ward. That is my more professional account, so to speak. Uh, that is where you'll see all the food from work and whatever we're doing in tap rooms and announcements for work and all that fun stuff. And then I've got a second one at, oh God, I even know it, Drew.J Ward Chef. And that is, yeah, 
it rolls off the tongue beautifully. Um, <laughs> that is really designed for all my workouts, right? I post them every day. And, you know, it's funny. I talk to people and they're like, oh, you want to be an influencer? And I'm like, I have no desire to be an influencer. Um, the comment you made at the beginning, right? That's what, I, that's what I want. I want someone to see it and either be like, damn, I, want, I, need, I should work out today, right? Just to help, help other people do it. Um, or the other thing I do it for is my own accountability. Sure. Even though, even though maybe no one looks at it, right? But in my head, if I don't post that video, somebody's like, Drew didn't work out today. Says he does, but I didn't see him work out, right? Yeah. So it's, it's just that kind of drive for me. You know, it helps push me there. Um, so those are my two biggest things. You know, I'm on Twitter, but not near as much. I don't even know what my name on Twitter is, to be honest with you. Uh, so, <laughs> well, man, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. We've been at it about an hour now. <clears throat> I know you got a busy day opening up tap rooms and you're absolutely crushing it in the culinary world as well as with the workouts and the rugging. And I wish you the best. Thanks for coming by. Um, you know, the, Thanks for uh, having me. you're like the second guy that's the, Hey, I'm going to come back. Uh, let's do it again. Let's catch up. So I think it's awesome. And you always got an open invitation. And one of these days I'm going to make it over to the East coast and I'm going to link up with you. We're going to go wire them to one of those uh, tap rooms. You got to open up Absolutely. and get some food. So man, again, thanks brother. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself and let's do this again. All right, man. Take care.